Hey everybody, Michael here. Thanks for hopping on and listening to this week's podcast. We've got our good buddy John Tate on with us, who's been in the industry for 20 plus years. Started out at Realtree, working his way up the ladder, went out on his own, does independent production now, and we're going to talk to him about some of his hunting stories in the Realtree days, hunting with Dale Earnhardt, and the Strut Master Championship that we're going to be a part of coming up in the, in the next week or so. Don't want to miss this one. It's a great show. Hope y'all enjoy it. You're listening to the Backwoods Life Podcast. Hold on. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Okay, everybody, as you know by now, if you're listening to this thing, this is episode, I don't know, I keep losing track every time we do this, I think 40-something, and it's been a span over about 20 years, I think, of doing this podcast to get the number 40, because we always forget to do them, and we get busy hunting and videoing and doing all those crazy things that, you know, we actually make a living doing instead of talking, Uh, but... Backwards Light Podcast. I'm Michael Lee. I've got the beautiful Kevin Knighton wearing the same shirt as me. That happens way too often. I think I think he does have a hidden camera in my closet somewhere when I get dressed in the morning. And that's really weird. So, just saying. And uh, we have our guest of honor today. Our longtime buddy in the industry, Mr. John Tate. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? Thank y'all for having me, man. Well, I used to be the prettiest person on this podcast, and you had to come ruin that. Well, you know, <laughs> I do what I can, buddy. <laughs> Kevin, with all trying to help, help y'all, help y'all get some, you know, get some uh, more uh, uh, pretty, pretty listeners. If you got pretty, pretty guests, you got pretty listeners. So, <laughs> Kevin, there's a lot of things I believe you've been called, and pretty ain't one of them. <laughs> I don't I even call that. myself pretty whenever I talk to myself. I hope not. Hey, well, Kevin, Kevin still got Kevin still got a lot of a lot of dark hair. I got I got a little more white and gray, man, in the well, old beard. He's gonna grow up one day and be like us, but he's still working on it. <laughs> yes, you know, I, I start to see a few grays here and there. It won't be too long, fellas. He's, he's been plucking them out at night. You won't tell you he's got he's got the old we call it the bill busbus where he's got the marker and he's coloring oh, them all yeah. in with black yeah got that sharpie you can, get, oh, yeah. you can get away with one or two of the sharpie but after that yeah. you got to brush it out. i don't black. know why it is that every single podcast my beard tends to be the subject of what we have to talk about to start things off now i don't well, understand why that is well because i'm I've, I've been appreciative because it's only taking him seven years to grow it it take me seven days and Kevin seven years. He's still working on it. He hadn't trimmed that thing since I, I've known him. I hadn't trimmed oh. this thing in 15 years. It's amazing, ain't it? Him and Luke hey. Combs are the only two slow beard growers out there like that. Ah. Just saying. We, we literally say that every time I think we talk about it. <laughs> That's but there's hope for all you young guys out there with baby faces. There's still hope. <laughs> yep. Don't give up, boys. You know, if you run uphill hard, you'll still be going uphill. But anyway, that's, we're not here to talk about Kevin's beard or how not pretty he is. We're here to talk about our buddy, John Tate. Um, so, John, right now, I mean, obviously you're in an awesome place because I can see, you know, a turkey full mount and a big giant deer skull mount right there. Uh, and for those that watch this on YouTube, you can see that as well. But 
The listeners. Yeah, I just got Mr. my uh, coyote back too, man. Oh yeah, um, see that back there. So we have a for whatever reason back here behind the house where I live in North Carolina that we've got a strain of black coyotes, and um, I've shot two or three of them pretty much off the back porch. Um, <laughs> And I've got a couple trappers pelts uh, I just picked up, but then I got this one kind of a little bust and uh, really pretty black and silver. And, and and all the traveling I've done over the years, I've never seen many other black coats ever, except like I said, right around the house, which is kind of cool. So I've seen a couple here in Georgia over the years, but very rare, yeah. very rare. Kevin, do y'all got, have coats down there? They probably yeah, we got we got quite a few, but I've never seen a black one. Don't give we up. Got a, I got a red one on my, my trail camera the other day where I'm just trying to scout for turkeys. And uh, uh, I got a, a kind of a red, lighter orange tinted coyote. He wasn't that, mangy at all. He was really pretty. So he that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fox, John. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. If it is, it's the biggest fox I've ever seen. Uh, come on john you can't tell the difference in a fox and a coyote <laughs> hey, some, hey i'll tell you what some people that, that have that have moved in from from other places around here would probably say that's a red wolf and and, and run <laughs> that's that's true you know these some of these people that like to hug trees they don't know what they're talking about and they, no, yeah no. They, they think of bobcats a panther i, I don't know again we that's just not what we're here to talk about today <laughs> Yeah, this Kevin, is my office, and I, uh, I, you know, I kind of move stuff around and decorate it. But I'm this time of year, as you guys know, I'm in the middle of uh, editing season, so I'm trying to crank out a bunch of TV shows and um, getting ready to chase some turkeys. We got a couple turkey hunting events I'm a part of coming up, so I got a, I got a pretty much of a full plate right now, man. Hint, hint, Kevin, editing TV shows. Yeah, hint, hint. <laughs> I've been editing too. Good. <laughs> He's on. He's still doing last year's shows that already aired. He's still working on them. He can get them out. I still ain't got them like I want them. I'm still just working on them. I never have them like I want them. I had to learn a long time ago. You just get it to a point and you got to let her go, man. (laughs) Well, John, um, speaking of editing and stuff, I mean, we know you've you've been in the industry uh, definitely as long as we have, if not probably longer, to be honest with you. I don't know, 20 20 years or so? How long have you been? 24 years, man. Yeah, you got us beat by six years right there. So, uh, well, well, congratulations on that. I mean, I, we, we all know this industry is something that you've got to have a, a deep love for it to have longevity. Like, you can't you can't be frustrated easily. you got to have thick skin, and you got to work hard. So, 24 years is, is an accomplishment. Yeah, you have to, uh, you know, you don't do it for the money. You don't do it for the fame. You don't do it. You do it because you love it. You do it because you love the people you work with. You get to uh, go to some really awesome places around this country and, and the world and and see some amazing sunrises and sunsets and, and everything that happens in between both of them is, is just a blessing. And, um, I, you know, it's funny. I grew up in Pumpkin Center, North Carolina, middle of nowhere. Um, just, you know, when you're growing up, you have all these ideas and dreams and things you, you think you want to do and you know you don't really know what the good lord's got planned for you but i've uh, never would have been in my wildest dreams nowhere near that been able to to look back to, at my 12 14 year old self and, and if i'd have shown a photo album to them back then it, they would have they would have called me a big old liar you know and i think you, and kevin i know you, you probably feel the same way and I'll definitely let you speak, but it's the, 
I mean, I think we all feel the same way. I mean, when Kevin and I first started 100 years ago now, it seems like, I mean, literally 18 years ago, um, man, we were just trying to video some hunts and see what happens, throw them on some DVDs because that was the thing back then, you know. Um, remember back in Realtree, Mossy Oak, Primo's days, I mean, these guys were making millions literally off of DVDs, you know, at different different stores, you know, Walmart, Bass Pro, oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Hey. Um, there you, I, was gonna say, you, you, I got something to show you. Hang on. I was going to say you worked on a lot of them things. <laughs> there you go. That's so, a VHS for y'all, your young people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all don't know what this thing is. It's called a VHS tape. And you actually had to wait and rewind it if you wanted to watch it. And you didn't have a stopping point. You just had to guess where it was going to stop. <laughs> so, um, funnily enough, this was the image that I saw on a magazine in, a, in an old Walmart, in the old-timey Walmarts that had the, uh, in, the one-way entrances in, in and out of the hunting se fishing section years and years ago and, uh, in Boone, North Carolina. I had actually, the week, the week before that, I'd met with Hank Parker because um, I was in college at Appalachian State. I met with Hank Parker about maybe doing a, an internship for his fishing show because he, I went to high school with Hank Parker Jr., Billy Catfish and, and them boys. Um, so uh, obviously everybody knows who Hank Parker is. His office was, you know, quarter mile from where my grandparents lived. And so I met with him about being a production assistant, intern, go for whatever he needed. And he just, he really, he really tried to figure something out and just couldn't. So he actually offered to call Bill and David and say, Hey, maybe you ought to, you know, I said, what about running a camera for real training? He goes, that's probably a good idea. Let me try to call those guys. And, and if you want to reach out somehow and figure that out. And so then that Sunday I went back to school and I, and that magazine cover was in, in Walmart. Cause back then the internet wasn't even a thing. Hmm. Um, e email was in the infant stages. I know I'm dating myself, here, <laughs> but I didn't know how to get in touch with anybody. If you wanted to find a phone number, you called 411. Hmm. And, um, I looked in that magazine and on the inside cover, it said 1390 box circle, Columbus, Georgia. So I went to, to the computer lab, you know, where that max and the, uh, uh, PCs were the next day and typed up a cover letter and put together my very, very limited resume and that and mailed it. And that Friday I was on the phone with Steve Finch and David Blank. So That's it awesome, just meant man. just meant to be, man. And then I went down and met with them, and and actually uh, was a production assistant for the Segways for Monster Buck Six, uh, which got me a callback, of course. And you know, in the fall of 1998, I was I was in Columbus, Georgia, and I was filming filming for Realtree as a 21 year old kid. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's crazy, man. Kevin, I'm sorry. Best you could do is meet me at a hunting store one day. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know. We wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation if me and you hadn't been at the same hunting store. I mean, Michael and I didn't grow up in the same area. We grew up, what, three hours apart. Mm -hmm. And it just one day in the right place at the right time, the good Lord set everything in motion, and here we are. That's what it is, man. And, and I, talk, I talk about that with people all the time because, I mean, that's a common question you probably get too, John. It's like, man, how how'd you get your start? You know, I mean, that, everybody wants to know that, that backstory because yeah. it's either people that are just intrigued by it or – they want to try to replicate it. And I tell you, you cannot replicate what, no. what, what just it, today's a different world, different time, just different things. So, but I, I, I like to refer to everything as moments of impact and you don't ever know what 
moment of impact is going to change everything. Like you don't yeah. know if that that's the like Kevin and I meeting that day. That's the whole reason we're here right now, eighteen years later, talking to you yeah. because yeah. of that one day. And just like you, you sent that that one, you know, resume. Yeah. And that and that's all it takes. And that and and but but once you get that chance, once that moment, you know, transpires. Now, what do you do with that moment? And that's that's where I have to give credit to my family, my parents, and and my upbringing. Um, I was never afraid of hard work or constructive criticism, which I don't think a lot of people these days can handle. But I remember, I remember putting that envelope in the mail at the student library or the student post office, whatever on campus. Like, well, all they can do is say no, and I honestly forgot about it. I mean, I was twenty one. I was in college. I was working on my last last couple semesters of school didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I, I was, I enjoyed doing radio and TV stuff in college and, and, you know, thought maybe it could lead to something there. And then, you know, and, and at the end of that week, I drove home for the weekend and my dad meets me at the door excited and he goes, uh, Realtree Outdoors has called to talk to you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so now, like you said, I had that opportunity and I knew I needed to learn as much as I could about a camera, which I had very, very limited experience because the college, the college didn't have, they had some SVHS uh, cameras, had some betas, but man, I I didn't know nothing. You know, I knew, I knew how to hit record and kind of sort of focus. (laughs) I had to learn real quick, you know, what to do and how to do and how to hunt with a camera. And luckily for me, they were very uh, patient because I had a million questions and they, they let me screw up. And that's the only way I learned. So I ran a camera for a couple of years and they hired me full time and, and started giving me a, a couple of small editing jobs. And that's when I really learned how bad I was at filming. Like I thought I was a good cameraman. Mm-hmm. I, I was nowhere near where I needed to be on telling a story. And, and, and that's what I think a lot of guys need to learn, you know, is, is you need to edit your own footage to become a better storyteller. And that's the only way I got that. And they gave me that platform to do that. And, and I, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, a lot of people, because, um, which we made a post on social media the other day, we're looking for some help, you know, in what we do from a video standpoint slash editing standpoint. And I, I've had people come out of the woodwork that, hey, I'm a marketing guy over here and I want to do, I'm like, I thank you for wanting to be a part of what we're doing. But at the end of the day, you, you, you know, the filming and, and I'm not even talking about editing because that's you guys realm. Like I don't, I don't edit. I just do do what I do. Um, but the filming part, you definitely, you're, you're spot on. I mean, Kevin and I have filmed each other and everybody under the sun for 18 years. Uh, we, we look at all our own footage. We used to stay up till one and two in the morning digitizing our own footage every night to, so Kevin could edit the show and, and sleep for 45 minutes and go to work the next morning, you know, and, when you do all that, night you, some days oh yeah exactly i mean and that and, you, and that's what we go back to hard work and paying your dues when you get that chance and now how do you make it work where well, you do what you have to do and as a business owner and i know you I mean you were working for realtree but still you had to go in there and work hard to develop your skill set and and everybody nowadays thinks you just take a video camera out and and i'm not knocking anybody that films their own hunts like go out there have fun do your thing but you'll see you'll see really quick how hard it is. And even if you're sitting there filming somebody else, 
there's so many times, in, and we, we've, we've been guilty of this ourselves over the years, where you get complacent, you get lazy, whatever, where you only go out there and you hit the record button only when something's happening. You're missing stuff, and you're going back, and then, like you said, Kevin looks at this video and goes, hey, man, we, we got to have more to work with with this, you know. And so we had a learning process as well as just us being a two-man show. Or, well, three-man. We had our buddy Trey Weatherington with us for years that, that, that kind of rode the bumps with us too and, and still works with us on now. But um, in the big scheme of things, you can make it as complicated or as easy as you want to. And, and just like everybody's style is different. Like Kevin, you, you see a video or a picture of Kevin – in a tree bow hunting he's going to have his bow his backpack a dslr2 gopros the big video camera i mean that that's his that's his that's his gig you know when you see me there there's a gopro and a video a big camera that's it i mean it's just his style but when kevin gets it all he's got all these angles and it looks way better than what i got but it still gets the job well, done. so it's all and all, a lot of that a lot of that's like john was talking about a while ago you know it's the person who's doing the editing you realize how so many more puzzle pieces can make that so much easier to put together. So that's all my puzzle pieces around the tree and, and the, all them GoPros. I'm, I'm really good at two piece puzzles. That's, that's kind of how, I mean, I'm, you know, that's, that, that's me. <laughs> just try to get the job done. Right. But I mean, you know, it, it's all relevant though. And, and it all makes this dynamic. And I mean, kind of going back to what you were talking about, like when you were at real tree, I mean, I'm, I know we we shared camp together. I mean, the, the, the stories you've got are, I mean, we could do three, four hours, yeah. 10 hours of podcast and talk about stories. But, I mean, getting yeah. to spend time in the woods with, like, the the great Dale Earnhardt. And, I mean, even Bill and David and Michael, you know, all the Realtree guys in itself. And, but, uh, you know, the Ned Yost of the world. I mean, you, you, you filmed yeah. and been in camp with more people than most people will ever meet. I'm a pretty sentimental person. And, and I, I've been, I, yeah, I, I'm getting cold just thinking about some of the things that I've been blessed to do, man. I, um, it's, uh, it's cool. I mean, I was 21 years old working for Realtree. First time I go down there and meet David and Michael and Bill, of course, I've been watching them forever on TNN, you know, I had all the monster bucks tapes and, um, you know, hanging out and, and, and going and seeing all these places that I'd seen only on, you know, the, 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 the real tree videos. I mean, the first, first time Bill and I, I flew with Bill, we went to the milk river in Montana, right? Good <laughs> grief. I mean, it's, it, it blew me away. Right. White tail Mecca right there, man. Dude, first, it, first trip. hundred deer in the field. And you're like, where in the heck are these deer coming from? I mean, I'm from North Carolina. We had deer, right. We didn't have, we didn't have turkeys around here to hunt at least where i lived for a long long time in the mid 2000s before we could start hunting them i think and um then uh to go out there to elk hunt i filmed first trip i ever went on i went to idaho with bill and terry rom you know terry's a awesome guy mm -hmm. filmed the elk hunt with ricky joe bishop in new mexico that year and mid-october i look up and we're going to the to the Timmons Ranch in Brownwood, Texas, and, and there's sets on the couch beside me, Dale Earnhardt. And I'm like, crap, that's intimidating. <laughs> and so he found out that I, where I live, was literally 25 minutes from from DEI over there across the lake, uh, Lake Norman, from where I live. And he actually, as the week went on, he's like, hey man, you know, I want you to come over to my farm and film my deer. I got some deer out there. I want, I want to get some footage of. I'm like, well, heck yeah, man. So, uh, 
and when I would ever, whenever I would come home from, from a trip, David would give me a camera package, and I would take it over here to Dale's farm, and he'd pick me up, drop me off past the chicken houses and the old bush garage, the deer head shop they call it, and he'd put me out in these ground these shooting houses, these these tower stands that you could about live in. I mean, it's Earnhardt; they were going to be nice. And I'd all these deer come walking by on these food plots. I'd get footage of it, and he'd pick me up at night and drop me off back in my truck, and then I'd go make uh, VHS copies for him so he could watch it. So I was, I, you know, at a very young age, I was a 21-year-old kid hanging out with the Intimidator. You couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> right? I mean, I, where was where was the next level? There, I was at the top. Yeah. And, of course, working for Realtree, Realtree, you know, was a, was a super, and still is, a super-duper powerhouse in the hunting industry. Hmm. I mean, Bill, Bill and Toxie and those guys – kind of like my buddies at Yeti coolers, they created, they created a niche in the market that I think definitely had some legs and needed, needed, needed that. Right. And I always, you know, looked at Bill, we'd walk into a Walmart cause Bill's a businessman too. And he's always checking these shelves out and, and seeing that the, the POP and the, the, the pegs and how much shelf space Realtree was getting. them. And I just said, Bill, I said, do you, ever just pinch yourself i mean you you drew this crap on a piece of paper and now people are wearing it you know you got your name on earnhardt's car and, and, and on sundays during the race and he kind of smiled and he, you know and he's a man i really do i really can't believe that it's you know turned into what it's turned into and it's just like my buddies with yeti they just built a cooler that they wanted that they knew other guys would pay good money for to use and not break and look at the brand they've created. Right. Um, it's crazy. It is. And, and so, you know, hunting with Earnhardt, hanging out with him was, was awesome. Um, later that year, we go to the Perlitz Ranch in Texas, and uh, we show up at the airport, and it's me, Waddell, Steve Finch, producer, David, uh, Bill, and Foxworthy, and Jeff's brother, Jay, who's a really good friend of mine. He's, he's a big Duke fan. He played football at Duke in the 80s. And I'm a Tar Heel, so me and Jay go back and forth on Duke. We got a big game coming up Saturday, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Jay and a couple other friends of Jeff's and, and Chipper Jones. And so I ended up filming Chipper that trip. He shot a big 10-pointer, ended up buying that ranch, part of that ranch we were on. And he and I are still buddies and, and hunting buddies to this day. So I had a heck of a first year at Realtree, and it, and it just kept escalating and getting bigger and better. Um, and it is – yeah, we may need to do another podcast on stories, but I do have one. I do have one good. Well, I've got two good Dale Earnhardt stories, but I've got one good Dale Earnhardt story. It was the year before Dale got killed. We were in Iowa with Kiskis on the late, that late muzzleloader season. So it was Dale, Bill, and Ned Yost. And Ned at the time was the third base coach for the Braves. And Ned actually was on Dale's pit crew. Him and Dale were really tight. Ned was on Dale's pit crew during the 1994 Cup championship season that Dale won the last cup, Winston Cup, and uh, during the baseball strike. So that's how Ned, you know, Ned and Dale got to know each other and become good buddies. So anyway, we're up there at the, the old Kiskey farm. It snows like 15 inches, as cold as can be, perfect late season weather for Iowa. And Dale had hunted for a couple of days, didn't have any luck. And so we're, uh, he's got to go to the airport. He's got to go to some other Budweiser event for Dale Jr. 
and he was mad about leaving because he was having a good time. And he had rented, uh, Don and Candy had rented a Suburban. Well, Bill and, and all of us had rented an Explorer to help get everybody out to the stand. So <laughs> uh, David, Michael, and, and myself were staying at, at one house up at Don and Candy's house up the road. Dale, Ned, and Bill were down at Don's parents. So on the way out, Michael and David and I are going to get ready for the hunt, and Dale's driving the Suburban in front of us. Candy's in the passenger seat, Candy Kiske. Mike Collier, Dale's pilot, is in the back. In the back. So Dale's going up the road, and it's an old county road, and it's got snow everywhere. He's fishtailing and having a good time, and, and David's driving. Michael's in the back, and I'm in the passenger seat of the, of the real tree of the Ford rental. I looked over at David and said, you don't have a hair on your behind if you don't try to pass Earnhardt. And David, <laughs> David gets that little giggle. <laughs> he floors it. So he's going, He we're going down this road. We're hauling the mail down this road coming up on Dale. And Mike, I hear Michael in the back go, somebody's got to live through this. And Michael puts on his seatbelt in the back seat. <laughs> so we go up there and Dale sees us coming. Well, he floors it. And we're doing this down this county road, snow flying. Well, all of a sudden, David gets along beside of Dale like this, right? And and I look over and Dale's got one hand on the wheel, Candy Kiske screaming, crying, hands doing all this. <laughs> Mike Carr's in the back seat just shaking his head, smiling. And Dale had that, you know, that mule eating briars grin. And I looked over at Dave, I said, this ain't good. And so we get around him, right? And next thing I know, boom, he square hits us in the rear end twice. And we're falling the mail down the road. And there's about a, you know them old farm roads, man, there's about a 90 degree turn and there's no banking. I'm like, oh, we're fixing to go out in this cornfield. And Dale's on us and we're doing this, you know, and David just, this all David can do to hold on to the steering wheel. And Dale backs off of us. And then we get up there to the, to the house and get out. And Michael and I jump out and we're like pointing at the truck when Dale pulls up. Ah. He takes that Suburban and hits that Ford in the rear end and bam, and spins it around in the yard, bump, plastic goes flying, stuff goes everywhere. And he gets out and Michael and I are still talking trash. He grabs us both. We go, hell yeah, we passed the Intimidator. He grabs us like this and pulls us both in like this. He goes, that's only because I let you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, and it's, um, you know, people ask me about who I've hunted with and, you know, celebrities and, and singers and, and country artists and NASCAR drivers and athletes and, and they're all great and i love them they're all friends but you know on top of this and you but you guys can relate to this too it's just the ranchers the outfitters the the farmers the people you meet they're they're some of the best people i've ever i still keep in touch with i, I love i love the mm -hmm. fact that i've been able to meet you know just some blue collar americans and and people that are just down to earth no matter what part of the country you're in you know so if anything other than obviously the experiences that i've had the people that I've met, the relationships that I've created, just like with you guys, that, that means more to me than anything. Yeah, and that's something that, like, you hit the nail on the head with that. You can't replace that. I mean, you, you know, you're you're blessed to go and do what we do, but the friends you make along the way, and, I mean, it creates so many other business opportunities and hunting opportunities oh, yeah. and just overall friendships yeah. in this industry that, that that's something that, I mean, you, you, you can't take that away. From, from anything we're doing, you know. You know, I would love for everybody. I mean, there's a couple of guys, I guess, that have written books and things, but we should all just compile our stories and and just have a series of stories somehow. I mean, it, you know, just, I, I kept a journal, not not a, not a steady journal, but I, I look back on some of the stuff I've written about and it's like, yeah, I can't believe that happened. 
but I'm glad I wrote it down. You know, guys, I'm I'm, I'm not trying. To, I'm not. I know I'm looking down at my phone and stuff, but I'm, I have to I have to upgrade Zoom now for some oh. reason. Like oh, while we're saying, recording, now that born? <laughs> no, no. I mean, dude, I'm loving the story, but I was like, I've got six minutes, or it's gonna cut us off. Like, oh, why God. does this do this now? Like, we've been recording podcasts for months now with yeah. no time limit, and now today we got a 40 minute time limit. I'm like, what the crap, man? So anyway, I apologize, Kevin. You you host the show for five minutes. So let me <laughs> let me get this thing signed up. Surprise! Um, <laughs> hey y'all, Kevin's turn. No, I'm just. I mean. John, I mean, and I'm sorry about all that, man. Like, this, this oh, is the no, this this. It's kind of like when we're filming. It's just this is live TV, but hey, you, you know, you, you have to you have to to take what it gives you and 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 go from there, man. Right. You gotta, you gotta uh, adapt and overcome. Well, and that's I mean, I saw the timer stop up there that we only had six minutes, and uh, that it, it made me feel like we were on a deadline here. We had to hurry up and get yeah. this thing done. All right, oh, talk really fast. I see that now. Yeah. Yeah, Dang. and I, and now I mean, I'm, what kills me is I'm signed in, and now it's telling me to sign in. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, you're still live on the on the deal. I know, right? And I, I'm trying to remember my Zoom password now. Thanks, uh, Zoom, yeah, in the middle of me recording. I tell you, you can't live without, and it can't pee standing up. So, <laughs> gosh, I'm mighty. <laughs> Kevin, what's my Zoom password? Oh, I have no idea. I'll look oh, it up on, on this on this text you sent me. Hang on. It's probably it's One, probably well, Kevin. It's the passcode for the meeting, not the not the the deal. Yeah. Yeah, a little different. A little different. So now it's probably Kevin is cool number one. Kevin can't grow a beard for seven years. <laughs> Here we go. We're back on the same conversational topic. I got four minutes and 52 seconds, y'all. This is really a stressful situation that I'm trying to drive through right now. Hey, how fast is your internet? That's the biggest question. Can you get <laughs> it done? Well, right now I got to check my email to remember what my password is because I've only <laughs> logged in like once every four years on Zoom, I think. wonder if it's on my phone. Nope, oh, there it is. Well, there in case. Take it away. In case we only have four minutes remaining here, John, tell us a little bit about you. Were, you have a very important turkey event coming up here shortly. Actually, yeah, actually, uh, have two. Um, this coming weekend in North Carolina is opening day of youth season. We have a one week of youth season here. And five or so years ago, a uh, really, really close friend of mine, Miles Menges, and myself uh, created what we call the Pirate Classic. And it takes place in the Eastern timeout. I, I hate to cut you off. I got. I, I literally have to sign out and sign back in. So I'm going to pause this recording right where we're leaving off, and we're going to pick back up. So if it keeps you guys off, okay. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to go get some coffee. And be right back. All right. Sounds good. Sorry. Welcome to live crap. <laughs> pause for edit. Exactly. Okay, now after a brief hiatus, hi mom, we're we're back because um, my mom my mom's the only one who listens to this. But um, yes, I finally had to pay for my Zoom that I thought was already taken care of to have unlimited meeting minutes, and I didn't. I know I cut John off in the middle of him talking about this great turkey hunt that we're going to do in uh, another week or so. Mickey Mouse operation we got going here. Well, this is the I mean. <laughs> hey, we. We got the light bill paid now. Just get off our back, John. Hey, look, 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 look John, we were talking about a while ago paying our dues in this industry. I remember in a meeting for year one that somebody uh, that quote-unquote sponsored us, 
said in a meeting to Kevin, I'm not paying for Realtree road trips on a budget. <laughs> so oh, here no, we no, are, no. podcasting on a budget. Right? Mm. Right, I mean, real, at that time, Realtree road trips was a big dog, and we were on a much smaller budget. Exactly. We've, we've always been on a smaller budget, and we probably will forever be on a smaller budget than Realtree road trips. I will throw well, that and out. That, yeah, and that, you know, <clears throat> that dang – that show that Michael and Steve created, that changed outdoor TV, man. 100%. I, I think about I mean, that a lot, man. It does. When I remember watching, I mean, I, I was filming some that, that fall, and that's where I really learned to never never put your camera down, to take the initiative to kind of foresee some things that could go right or wrong. Either way, you need to capture it, and especially with Michael on camera. He's so good at, at it. Um, but the first year that aired that fall on the outdoor channel that following february when we go to the nwtf show in nashville so i need to talk elvis walked in the building <laughs> i mean michael michael was popular but that took michael to a whole different level on mount olympus i mean you know it, it, like we were the the real tree booth had people lined up out of the booth around the corner and down the hallway Around the Primo's booth, back—I mean, just insane. But the one thing, the one thing that I learned, and I give you know Michael obviously a ton of credit, but Steve Finch for being so creative and so, you know, and, and at least in this industry, way before their time, mm-hmm. on storytelling. You know, and not just because I remember the old Monster Bucks days. You hit record when you when you went to the get in the truck or go get in the stand. The guys climbing up, hey, we're here Milk River this afternoon. Blah blah blah. When he climbed down out of the tree, you didn't turn your camera on again. Mm-hmm. Right? So you missed all that stuff. But then when road trips came along, that changed the game for us and, and everybody. And, and um, you know, it, it just, I, like I, think, I said, road trips, road trips was a, a huge propelling, you know, show that, that changed it all for us. I think, you know, and, and you're, you're spot on with that. And, and uh, from, like you said, Michael has the personality that people gravitate toward. He's just a good old boy, just a fun dude to be around, go have a good time, tell stories, cut up, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and he, he was in the trenches there at Realtree for years too. And see, that's what a lot of people don't don't know that far back of his story. That Like that's how he cut his teeth, learning just like you did in yep. that camp over there, how to, how to film. And he was, you know, ran a camera and, and, and you know, the, the gauntlet. And, and then, like you said, when, you know, his personality kind of, broke out there and it, from the, what you were talking about the, in the monster buck days of recording the tree the hunt get down put the camera up started again the next morning at daylight whatever that that's what you know nowadays we call that cookie cutter stuff right i mean that's because everybody has to do that everybody's done it yeah you know and now it like you said it, it took the dynamic of showing the hunting camp part of of these everything that we we all do you know yeah. and um I honestly think that did a lot of good for hunting in general because yeah. it showed the camaraderie at camp, like, and especially in Michael's atmosphere. Like I said, it's, just, it's all about personality. Yeah. But, you know, if you've got – we've all been in hunting camps where guys that, you know, they go out, they go hunting, they come back, they sit there, they eat dinner, they watch TV, they go to sleep. They're, they're, they, don't, they don't really talk to anybody else. And, I mean, you know, we've shared camp with people that buy hunts and we're in camp or people that, yeah. you know – so-and-so's cousins hunting there while we're hunting there. I mean, it's all a different dynamic. But when you get the right group of people in there and you tell that story that way, 
I think it personifies the hunting camp. I think I think that's why duck hunting is so popular right now with the younger generation because it's a camaraderie thing. It's a it's, let's get together, have fun. We're gonna get to shoot stuff, hang out, got cool camo on, and, and have a good time. And I think that's really the core of hunting. And and I think with the road trip style, that's what brought that out for everybody to see. It made us relatable, right? On even more of a level. It didn't it didn't just show the the, the hunting and the killing of it, right? Mm-hmm. It showed, man, you know, I missed that, missed that deer or I hit him, I made a bad shot or well, let's go look for it or and stuff that we've always done. But we never thought twice about capturing that because it just, just something we didn't do. Well, and also- think about how many, how many cool scenarios and segments and TV shows we missed by not hitting record at those moments, you know, that well, just and- like a while ago talking about racing dale earnhardt in the snow if you had gopros <laughs> and stuff on that Dude, i mean i mean it, i would have i would have been out the window like this and he's over he'd have probably flipped us off on camera and we'd have laughed and, and, and then we'd have got spun around in the field but yeah exactly <laughs> right imagine having three or four gopros going and a camera and me filming david and michael holding on for dear life and dale hitting us i mean I, are you kidding me really that would get a million views on youtube um, oh my god so yeah don't even get me started you know but you, you talked about, you know, how Michael started running those cameras. And then I did too. We had those big digibeta cameras, huge, big old boat anchors. So I laugh at anybody that's filming these days with a Sony a seven or FS six or FS five, or I, I just laugh at them. When they talk about how heavy their gear is. <laughs> like, come on, really, bro. I had six pound batteries and two of them <laughs> a stack of 30 minute beta tapes in my backpack, nine volts, binoculars, you know, a big soccer fluid head, Germany built tripod. Tri- tri- <laughs> we yeah. were chasing elk. We were chasing elk with that, all that gear. <laughs> yeah. Primary river, man. But one more thing I did want to say on kind of the evolution of the TV side of things. You got to remember when, when the hunting shows started, back in like the TNN days and maybe yeah. we'll go back, you know, ESPN and all that. Yeah. It, it, they were started by, you know, Realtree, Mossy Oak, um, Hank. Yeah. yeah Hank. Moran. And, and with the exception, like Hank was a, a different because he was, he was fishing and, and he kind of did his thing, which was awesome. And, and, and I'm, I've met Hank a few times. I think he's awesome, dude. Awesome. Um, Sean, Sean, and, let me tell you, Sean, real quick. <laughs> Bass fishing is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Bass fishing has paid for me to go hunting, Sean. <laughs> I but, love that guy. But, 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 you know, when you think about it, too, I mean, and us knowing the inside part of the industry, there was really big money in that. Back back in oh. the days, like like we're making was, pennies on the dollar now compared to what PNN, they were back then. PNN was the only game in town. That was it. And but you you think about it from a standpoint of, of a business standpoint, I think the reason there was a lot of cookie cutter like we talked about to start with was because it was it was a business model. Like it, right. it was made to 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 sell real tree camouflage to sell yep. you know mossy oak camouflage. It was made for Hank to sell you know, his sponsors and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. It, it was, it was, inter- it was made for entertainment because it's all what we enjoy doing. But right. that right. aspect, well, it was all business back then. It was like, we're, right, we're getting this on video, but because we're, you know, Bill Jordan just shot this deer with a, a bear bow, we're going to promote this bow and bears going to sell some bows. That, that's, that was the name of it. Now we have to do all that promotion and, and, and product showing, but we got to make it entertaining. Thanks, Waddell. You know, you, yeah, <laughs> you, made, yeah, thank you, you made it work harder, you know. 
Well, yeah, and then not be not be a hard seller because back then right. the hard sell was the only way to do it. That was the right. model, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hank talks about a fishing bait. Bill talked about the bear borsalino bow. You know, Primos talked about a new turkey call they come up with. Whatever, right. and that's right. that's what made that work. And and that's the hard thing for people like because we've all heard people bash outdoor TV for years. I mean, the good and the bad, ugly. We hear it all, but that's part of it too. Is that that? Oh man, they, they you know that's just advertising. Da, da, da. Well, that that's what it was built off of. That's why it's here. That's how you get to enjoy it. You do, you do, and, and you know it's so hard to to you can't do it without your sponsors. People pick on NASCAR drivers too, and it's like, well, if, if it weren't for the fans and those sponsors paying those bills, we wouldn't have it. And, and, you know, I think there's obviously way more creative ways nowadays out there that we all know and practice to get that message across. But I'll, I'll go back to Michael, too. Another really awesome selling point he had early on in the, in the road trips days was showing stuff used, you know, let, let, let the footage and the, and the, the lens that it captures the footage speak for itself. And he always said, how many times? Have you ever heard Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods mention Nike? You never have. Didn't have to. Never had to. Their game and, and their effort and their winning spoke for itself. And so in that regard, you know, Michael was light years, light years beyond what the norm was at the time. And I think that's another reason that road trips succeeded, you know. Yeah, you- I mean, we just spent, you know, 20 minutes talking about how we're Real tree road trips on a budget again. <laughs> yeah, hey, you guys, you, guys your you guys have been doing it a long time. You guys are, you know, I call you guys like me. We're the OGs, and this industry has changed light years in the past five years. You know, ten and fifteen or, or twenty years ago, my goodness, man, it's, it's amazing how it's evolved. But in, in a good way, is the, the hunting numbers have have to a point gone up, especially with with kids with ladies. And that's a, that's a big thing because we are, you know, there's still concerns about that our way of life's dying on the vine. Well, and, and you say that, and I'm sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Well, I just was going to say, you know, y'all talking about TNN days. Well, back in those days, if you wanted to watch something about hunting, you had to wait until whatever Thursday night or whatever night it was that TNN had the hunting going on. Now I can pick up this right here and I can watch hunting. All day long on my cell phone, I can Google. I can you know listen to a podcast. Shoot, I can watch a podcast and see these three dummies all over the country talking about hunting. Yeah, on that TV, man. And and that's the thing. Just like what you said, Kevin. And that that's honestly the humbling aspect of what we do, because with that medium out there and all the things that are available, yet people still watch our content and and your content. You know that you you've yeah longevity creates audience there's no doubt about that and uh you know and, and waddell even even said one day um i think he and he and i were, were talking about something a few it's been years ago now um and he said if you don't have haters you ain't doing it right i mean yeah. and that, that's just the way it is i mean in what we do um <clears throat> and, and and speaking of haters um the caveat so so kevin and i we according to waypoint tv we we are the the kings of king of the woods uh, in this recent contest. That, nice. That they, we are the champions, undisputed. <laughs> nice. That's nice. just the way. But we went we went head to head with these guys um, called Rack Daddies, and they're, and they're super cool guys. Um, they got an awesome social following, you know, and, and and some some hardcore you know followers on this thing. 
Um, and it, it, and I and I and I and if they listen to this, I, I apologize for what I'm about to say, but I'd never heard of them before. And that's not. I mean, that's just because I mean, literally, if you don't pick up the phone and call me, I probably haven't heard of you because of just being busy. <clears throat> and I mean, we and we really don't watch a lot of outdoor TV. <clears throat> no, whatever. All you do no. all day is outdoor TV. That that's right. And and so anyway, we 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 won that contest this week, and and we're thankful for that. I mean, it, it, that really is a humbling experience that people voted for us, and nice. we're, able, we're able to pull that off. Because <clears throat> I didn't. There's no way. Because we. I mean, honestly, we went head to head with um, Midwest Whitetail, Waddell. Nice. Um, heck. Uh, uh, bird song and those guys. Yeah, Randy, and Randy, and, yeah. Randy and Nate on that one. I mean, so I mean, like. These are awesome people that we were up against. Like we're, you know, we're fans of everything these guys do, and, and that's the thing about the hunting industry. A lot of people, you know, they think we're, we don't, you know, you're, you're like opposing teams. But man, I, we've never approached it that way. We've always tried to help each other out, and, and we pull for the other guys. And then so when we got to the final, like I hadn't heard of these guys, but I, um, man, I started digging. I'm like, they had, they, they are doing it right, man. I mean, this, there's good dudes and. And we, you know, we kind of messaged back and forth about the contest and all, but I think there's a lot of haters out there that are hating back with life now because we won when when they think the other guys, you know, should have won. And I don't know. I mean, we, we don't we just go and tell people to vote. What happens happens, right? I mean, that's just what. Well, I'll give you so. another. And this is not verbatim, <laughs> but it's another Earnhardt quote. You know, whether they're booing or cheering, as long as they're making noise, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing something right. I like speaking speaking of Earnhardt. I, I got this out of my. I got my. You can barely see it right here to my side. It's my. This is my. My dad built this gun cabinet when he was in high school, and he and he through moving to a new the farm and everything. He didn't want it anymore, so I took it. I, me and my wife, we refinished it, and so I keep my shotguns out here in my case. But this is something that I keep locked up in there with you know other important stuff. I don't know how good y'all can see that. Oh, look at that, dude! Wow. And for <laughs> but, anybody listening at home, Michael's holding up a turkey call. With a big old number three and the intimidator in it. Yeah, wow. and, and and I got this. Uh, I don't even know who built this call. It doesn't have it on there. A buddy of mine that ran an archery shop here that I worked at part time in college gave me this because I kept see like he had a glass case with all these nice turkey calls in it. And but I, mean, I was a broke college kid. I couldn't buy a turkey call that cost twenty bucks back then. And he every time I walked by it, I was like, man, I love that turkey call. And he gave he gave it to me, bought it, and gave it to me, but. It's got the Intimidator number three on it in 1951 to 2001. So that it's never been scratched on, never will be scratched on. It's going to sit in my gun cabinet. And I, I figured you'd appreciate that one, John. Oh, that's not, that's great. I, um, you know, I was telling somebody this story the other day uh, with COVID and just life, man. You know, we're all getting older and, and we're starting to lose people that we love and care about. And that we, you know, and, um, I told somebody the other day, I was like, you know, you just, you, you always need to, and I forget this, we all do, we get so busy, but you need to always appreciate, you know, people. And I remember that, that fall, uh, right after Christmas, Dale went back to Don and Candy's cause he didn't kill a deer up there. Right. So he goes back, Don films and kill a big 160 inch 10 pointer. And Dale had borrowed Michael's encore muzzleloader. And Michael called me because he knew I was back home in North Carolina for a Christmas Christmas vacation with my family. And he's like, hey, man, he said, if, if, if when Dale comes back from Iowa, go go pick up my gun and just bring it back with you and you drive back to Georgia. I was like, okay. Well, the day I was supposed to drive home, Dale was late getting in to back home, you know, from Iowa. And he finally called me. It was like 7 o'clock at night. And I had to be at work in Red Realtree the next morning. I got a six-hour drive. 
And so Dale calls me finally goes, Hey man, we just landed. I'm sorry. I, I can meet you somewhere, get you this gun, whatever you want to do. And I said, Dale, I got a long drive, man. I said, let's just, just, you know, if you can ship it, just ship it down to the office. And uh, he goes, yeah, no problem. Don't, don't worry about it. We're good. And uh, I never talked to him again. I wish I would have went and seen him one more time. And, and, and I had just told David I was coming in late the next day, you know, but I, I never, I never, I never talked to him again. So you just wow. never know, man. I mean, I didn't mean to go down the sad, the sad no, story. No, bro, that, that, but you're, you're spot on, man. Point, you know? and, and what we do, I mean, yeah. life in general, you, you, you never know. And, um, no. And heck, you probably all you probably had to say was, "Hey, y'all, I got to go meet Dern, meet Earnhardt." And they, they would have let you be a day late. <laughs> it would have been fine. Dale, David would have understood, but I was I was just I was trying to get back and do the right thing. I thought, yeah. and, and I didn't think it would it would hurt to, to ship it because I mean, you know, Earnhardt's not going to die in a car wreck at a racetrack. Yeah. He, 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 he he he's he was invincible, man. Like as much stuff as he'd been through, and yeah, and and and. and, and I think me and you talked about this when we were in camp together this past year. Um, I remember David telling a story about a, a turkey hunt with Earnhardt, and a bird was over a rise and gobbling and gobbling and gobbling. He wouldn't wouldn't come in, and Earnhardt just walked crawled over there on top of that hill and shot the turkey. Didn't care about video or nothing. And David was like, "What do that for?" He's like, "I'm ready to kill a turkey." <laughs> hey, we never we never at Real Tree we never filmed Earnhardt kill a turkey on video. He was, never, he was never patient enough to sit still long enough for a turkey to come in. Because you know how a turkey will do. They'll hang up. They'll take their time. And that time David's talking about, and there was a couple other times I remember when he would come down before the Talladega race in April, he would come turkey hunting with us for a couple of days. And um, we never – he would always belly crawl or make the camera guy stay back. And so he could go shoot a turkey in the head. He'd come back carrying the turkey. He didn't care. <laughs> well, he <laughs> – he was Dale. Didn't matter. He was Dale, and and, and, I, and David can tell this story better. But it's a real quick that that particular time. Uh, the it was raining, and they were canceling qualifying. They were pushing it back because of the weather. So Dale kept hunting. You know, let's keep hunting the track. They're, they're, the track's still wet. They're not even because he was just a twenty minute, you know, plane ride from from Georgia over to Talladega. So he kept hunting and hunting and hunting while he finally calls. Richard Childress, I think, and says, Dale, they're, they're drying the track, man. You better get here. <laughs> he goes, okay. He goes, uh, uh, all right, uh, have a, Mike Skinner give me a plug check on my car, and I'll be there. So they're in LaGrange, Georgia, in David's uh, old expedition. Columbus, the airport's 45 minutes to the south, right? Then it's a, whatever, 20-minute flight to Saldega. Well, they're already, they're already cars on the track by this time. Dale tells David Blanton's get me to the airport. I don't care what kind of ticket you get. I will get you out of it. Go. But David is going like 90 down 185 South Columbus. And Earnhardt said, I told you to go, Blanton. I got to go. And David said, I've never driven that fast in my life. And and for Earnhardt to let him drive first was, 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 a, was a, 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 you know, a special. Because Dale should have probably just jumped in and took off. But um, I remember us, me and Bill were actually the food service. We brought we brought food to Dale, Dale at the airport. And literally, he jumps out of David's truck, throws his stuff on a plane and grabs our food and says, see y'all later, Phew, and takes off. I mean, if you remember that Talladega race is when he had that back half of his car cut off because it didn't pass inspection. Yeah. So he gets on camera uh, with, uh, you know, the, the racing guys after they, they ask him what happened to his car. And he goes, he goes yeah, we had to do this, do that. But I was... I don't care about racing. I just want to thank all my buddies at Real Tree. And he mentioned Bill and David. And um, 
he calls David later that night and he goes, man, he said, we could have hunted for another hour. I couldn't even drive my car. <laughs> so he, he could have cared less, you know? But, um, but yeah, no, and there's, I've got a million more stories like that. Like I know you guys do, but uh, I know we only yeah. got so much time to, we don't want to bore people with all, well, of, our, they, all of our, our stories. Well, I'll put it this way. If they've hung on this long to this podcast, they can't get bored. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, no, but so before um, we had our Zoom fiasco here, um, you were talking about the Strut Masters Classic or yep. Championship. Um, yep. Strut Masters Championship there in North Carolina coming yep. uh, March the 9th. April. Now. April. April. God, God yep. dang it. I looked at my calendar right there on my screen. It says March 30th. And so I said March the 9th. Like okay. maybe next year. I April the 9th before anything else yep. goes wrong with this show. Yeah. Uh, so this, this you know, weekend, go ahead. No, I was gonna say this. You know, this podcast on a budget. So he, he, yeah. This <laughs> yeah. So no, this weekend is our youth event, which we we've been doing for five years, going on six years now. It's called the Pirate Classic. And Miles Menji's a really really close friend of mine. Called me one day years ago, and he goes, "Hey man, let's let's do like a youth hunt somewhere out in the eastern part of North Carolina, out here where I live. He lives near Greenville, and." um I said, that's a good idea. Well, you know, we thought 10, 20 kids get signed up through the local NWTF chapters and, and um, turn it into something. Well, at the time, at that time, Waddell was working for the NWTF. We call, I called Michael and he was all about it. He shows up. We had 110 kids sign up, right? Unbelievable turnout. And so it's just grown every year. And um, this will be our, our, like I said, our, I'm getting old, but and COVID messed us up a year, but it's our fifth or sixth year of doing this. Um, and we had 300 and something kids sign up last year. We've got 200 and I think 30 or 40 this year. We're back to a more normal, normal spring. We don't have COVID. We've got baseball going on, but to still to have 200, you know, 30 or 40 kids sign up for a, a turkey youth, hunt, youth turkey hunting event is pretty awesome. And so we give, we, we're not responsible for finding hunting property but we provide the venue um it's 25 dollars per kid to sign up each registered kid that shows up at the event the day of the, the day of the event to check in the turkey or not gets a yeti cup a hat a t-shirt turkey call you know so 40 or 50 dollars worth of swag just for registering you know for 25 dollars plus the top 10 scoring birds we go off the nwtf scoring system the top two kids want a shotgun they get their bird mounted for free um, if they don't, if they choose to. And they and um, they get a huge plaque made out of a tobacco, Sandy Brady, that makes those really cool NWTF uh, plaques with the marble engraved on it. And then as we go down the list, first through 10th, they get a plaque. Uh, we give them a lifetime hunting license if they don't have one. If they do have a lifetime hunting license in North Carolina, we give them a shotgun as a replacement prize. And so as we go through the top 10, you know, we're giving these kids, you know, really cool stuff. And then we have a bunch of Yeti giveaways at the end, some raffle items. So we thought about, we saw the turnout at the Pirate Classic with all these kids and their parents looking over their shoulders and miles. And I were like, man, we ought to do this for the adults. And so that's where we come up with, with Strut Masters. Miles was watching the, the Masters Golf Tournament one afternoon. He calls me and goes, man, let's, let's do a turkey hunt that's kind of fashioned around the Masters. And I said, okay. But what are you thinking about? And so we we basically used the the uh, the playbook from Pirate Classic with 
the local companies that Miles has uh, connections with, the farmers, the, the people out there, my outdoor industry connections with companies, with, with, with TV personalities and people like that. And so it's a, it's a two-man team event, right? You guys are coming up, and we have three categories. Largest uh, single-bearded bird is the grand prize. Um, multi-bearded, the biggest multi-bearded bird and a bearded hen, which you can shoot in North Carolina. Well, single bearded bird, we're paying out through 10th place on prizes and cash. First place is 15 grand. Hmm. Plus you get a really fancy blue, uh, you know, about, about the Tar Heel, about that Tar Heel blue, you know, pretty, <laughs> uh, sport coat with the Strut Masters logo on it. Hmm. Second place is 7,500. Uh, third place is I think five grand, 2,500 and then down to a thousand or fifth place, six through 10 get Yeti coolers. Nice. So anyway, a lot of the money that we raise from strut masters, we donate back to the pirate classic so that we have ample funds in that, in that event to keep it going for years and years to come. Because as we all know, passing that tradition on is, is a super huge priority, especially for us. No doubt. I think it's awesome, man. Like that, I like the whole concept. I mean, Kevin and I have both been part of, um, you know, some turkey hunting contests mm-hmm. like this, you know, but at the end of the day with that, um, you and I talked about this the other day, John, we talked for a little while. Um, I'm not a big fan of hunting contests because when you, when you put money and hunting together, it sometimes it brings out the worst in people. I mean, that, that's any kind of event. I mean, it's just, it's just the comp- competitive nature of some people, but I look at this thing, man, like this is for, getting those kids out there and if you know i think my size is like 50 long by the way something like that well, we'll have but, a guy there to measure it when y'all <laughs> a big bird we'll have we'll have a guy measure you guys get y'all fitted <laughs> and kevin we'll get them double jakes down buddy we'll roll this thing but, uh, yeah and i need a, a, a little bit of a, a winner for the smallest turkey because i'm pretty sure we can conquer that <laughs> but uh but you know to be a part of something and we thank you for the invite john i mean we talked about this you know a few months ago and and got it all dialed in and um you know i whatever we can do to keep give back and i mean like you said having 200 kids out there that, that want to go get involved with this thing i mean that's why we should do the things we do in this industry and and who we are i mean whatever you want to quote with that um to to give back to to grow this thing and i, I can't think of nothing better than you know having this event for for those the, the youth i mean that's that's what it's all about man and I mean, I, I'm just blessed to take Kevin with me as my youth hunter. There you go. You know, I was going to say that a while ago. You know, I've been trying to teach Michael everything I know about turkey hunt. <laughs> yeah, we, um, you know, it, it it just made a lot of sense. And last year, we 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 kind of caught lightning in a bottle. I like to say with Strut Masters, it was our first year ever doing it. We didn't know what to expect. It was a lot of work. We got a great committee of guys and girls that help us and volunteers. But I kind of reached out to, you know, uh, you know, the drop zone show that I produced with Hal Schaefer and of course, Greg Zabadelli, Hal came up, um, Waddell came, Nick Munt, Bone Collector guys, Cole Pepper came, uh, Nate Hosey and Birdsong came. And we, we wanted to have some music and I knew Nate would, would be fired up about it. So uh, another one of my buddies that I've, you know, been able to meet and hunt with over the years is Red Akins and heck of a songwriter in nashville obviously you know big time hunter and, and just a good dude and friends we're all in that same circle of friends and so rhett wanted to come and he ends up bringing 
on the bus and he comes over and here comes Dustin Lynch walking off the bus, right? Tyler Farr came. So we had three or four guys that, you know, love to get in the outdoors that are country music stars that wanted to come and, and, and be part of our event. Uh, because number one, they hadn't played in front of a crowd in 13 months because of the pandemic. Number two, they just wanted to go turkey hunting and, and enjoy, you know, getting out in the outdoors and hanging out. Plus they knew that this was going to go to raise money for the youth event that we have. And, and last year, our being our first year, we had a ton of expenses, a lot of learning, learning going on, but we were still able to give $10,000 back to the youth event. That's so awesome. we were, we were very, and, and this year, I checked this morning. I think last year we had 55, close to 60 teams. I can't really remember the exact number. This morning I checked, we have 92 teams signed up. Holy cow. <laughs> so, turkeys, yeah. turkeys are in trouble. <laughs> I'm it's it's you, kind of a big deal is what you're saying. It's kind of a big and deal. You know, you know how it is. I don't like to brag or nothing, but, yeah, it's nothing I did. It, it's it, I think it's just the brand and, and what it represents. And you're right, Michael, you, you, you mentioned the contest and money. Fifteen thousand dollars is a lot of money, especially for shooting and, a turkey. Well, it is, and so we we wrestled with with that number for a while, um, but we had so many sponsors get behind us, right? To say, hey, here, so we knew we could cover that, but we were worried more about the not so much on the lawful side of things. But you know, after we, we discussed it, it was like you know, people are gonna they're gonna do what they're gonna do. You, you can't you can't stop that but that shouldn't stop us from having a really really good idea and a good a good event to help raise money for kids but here's the caveat to that is that all the winners first through 10th place and then multi-beard and, and bearded hen they all have to take a lot of tech test so, oh kevin hey <laughs> better tighten up kevin you better take some of that uh that that, that uh was it snipers take that diazepam or whatever you call it? <laughs> your, your nerves calm <laughs> So uh, we uh, there's a long road to hoe before we get to any point of needing to take any lie detector. I promise you that. <laughs> we don't have to take one of them if we double on them jakes like I'm talking about. I'm just right. saying, you right. know, they yeah, fine. maybe I'll come up with a big Jake award next year. I didn't think about that. I'm just, I, I'm just looking forward to a bearded hen. I've never shot one of them. One of them comes in, she's in trouble. Yeah, you know, and that's funny Damn. you say that. A lot of people, a lot of people. In that part of North Carolina, for whatever reason, man, we've got a thriving population. We've got, you know, a ton of bearded hens and a lot of multi-bearded birds. And I know a lot of the country right now is seeing a decline in turkey population. So we're we're very we're very blessed because, you know, I know you guys have seen a, a drop in it and they've they've cut your your tags in Georgia some and South Carolina's the same way, Alabama, uh, Missouri. Some friends of mine live out in Missouri where, you know, five, six years ago, some of the best turkey hunting I've ever been a part of. And they're they're seeing numbers decline. So we're, we're excited to still have that, you know, uh, that many turkeys out there that's a huntable population. Yeah, that's that's one thing I will say. I, I don't know all of Georgia. Um, I think, and not to get off on a tangent about turkey management, but I think um, having food sources for your turkeys year-round, good food plots, you know, things like that. Even supplemental feed, you know, during the off-season, I think goes a long way with, with keeping turkeys on your property. Um, having the habitat is the biggest thing. Like a, a lot of guys want beautiful manicured woods to be full of turkeys, and it don't work that way. Those hens don't like that. I mean, they're not going to nest in that. and they got to have cover to survive as well in those babies. And, I, you know, down here in Georgia, I, I'm bragging on, on Kevin and I and, and our farms and stuff is, like, we have built – 
in my mind anyway, we, we don't harvest many turkeys. We don't shoot many turkeys every year. I mean, I think last year on, on one of our, our big place, we shot three turkeys. Right. You know, and, and you, somebody told me one day, one time you could shoot half of your gobblers every year. Like that, that was okay. Like you got 20 birds on your property, you could shoot 10. I, I don't know that's subjective because you got dead loss and predation and all that stuff. And that's another variable to take into consideration. I'm a big fan of don't, don't overhunt your woods and you'll have plenty of turkeys forever. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really what I think. I mean, you, you know, just because you got 10 gobblers don't mean you need to shoot 10 gobblers. No. And, and, and that's the thing to do with, with three tags. You don't have to fill your tags every year. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if I, I can kill two in North Carolina, one per day, two per season. And if I get one, I'm good. Uh, if I get a second one, great. But I'm not going to go kill myself to try to kill that second one just to say I did. And yeah. um, that part of the country, eastern part of North Carolina, honestly reminds me a lot of where you guys live. There's a lot of a lot of hardwoods. There's a lot of pines. But there's also a huge, huge part of that, which is ag, ag fields, creeks, and there's a lot of cover. But like I said, you've got food, cover, and water. And I, I'll say this because I just got back from – from hunting just south of where Kevin lived down in Florida last week. And some of the best turkey hunting I've ever been a part of this year. I mean, the, the number of birds was just mm. unreal. Um, I was fortunate enough to kill one first morning in two hours, called him right in. The The second morning I went, um, I had gobblers all around me all morning. Finally, I got one to break off of him and, and killed him like 9.30 in the morning. So um, that it was awesome. But – but that terrain down there, I got to thinking about that. Like, why are there so many turkeys in this part of Florida? And, Kevin, please tell me what you think about what I'm about to say. Down there, there's not a ton of agriculture. And this is around the Gainesville area, south of Gainesville and, that, and all that. There's not a ton of, of agriculture at all, but there's a ton of cattle farms mm. and pastures. And the temperature in that area gets cool in the winter, even cold on a few days. But it's like the climate's perfect because when you get like one thing that I think hurts turkeys a lot is when you have them the hatch out, and then you get the, a cold front come through like in your part of the woods that, that just pours rain, the temperature drops 30, 40 degrees. That 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 wreaks havoc on those poles, you know, yeah. when, when they're when they're born. And down there in, in like Kevin's neck of the woods, it, it doesn't get quite as cold as it even does where I live. And then even further north in Georgia, you go, it gets gets cooler climate and all that. But I think that's like the perfect area, Florida scenario, is to thrive turkey populations. Right. That makes sense, Kevin? Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's because of climate, but, I, you know, there is a lot of uh, nesting habitat, uh, a lot of woods that are primed for hens to nest in. But also, I mean, there are a lot of turkey hunters, don't get me wrong, but they're not near the numbers of turkey hunters down here as there are deer hunters. And I just think, you know, there aren't that many people shooting them and the, the population's benefiting because of it. Yeah. I agree with that. But also another thing you got going in Florida, especially as the weather warms up like this time of the year, man, everybody's going to the water. They're going fishing. I mean, you got coast over here, coast over here, lakes everywhere. I mean, that that's the thing about Florida is like, it's going to be 80 today. Do I want to go sweat trying to kill a turkey this morning, or do I want to go get on the flats and catch a big old redfish, or you know, yeah. go bass fishing, whatever? So, that's that's I think that's got a lot to do with. Like here in Georgia, I mean, it's greened up here, and, and further north you go, it's it's working its way up. But I mean, just like at my dad's farm, an hour north of here, until the last week, it's been look, it's still been looking like winter, you know, and, and it's still been 
some cold weather. We've had a, had a frost a couple of weeks ago still and, and all that. But I, I think the, the climate helps the, the younger ones thrive in, in some instances. But also, like Kevin said, having that hen nesting habitat, having food sources, I mean, that's, that's where it's at. And we, we've got so many, you know, for the kids event, we've got so many good landowners out there. Um, like I said, we don't, we don't assign properties for the youth event or the adult event for strap masters, but we hear so many stories about, about kids that maybe don't have a place to hunt or their dad's not a big turkey hunter or their uncle may take them. Or there's just a guy that, that they may run into is like, Hey man, I'll take you on Saturday morning. You know, let's get you out there in the woods and, and so many of our kids that have either came close to winning the event or been in the top 10 every year have taken their first turkey. And it's a, it's a big turkey. And so you just hope and pray that that, that kid is hooked for life now, you know? That's awesome. That's what so it's all about. And, it is. And, so, and, and, and gosh, I know we talk more than we probably should have right. on this whole podcast, but um, it's, it's not too late to get in if you want to be yep. literally in what Kevin and I are, are going to go be a part of. Uh, the, for the championship, Strut Masters Championship. Strut Masters, yes, sir. The SMC. <laughs> it's um, uh, April 2nd. This Saturday, April 2nd, is the deadline to register. It's a two-man event. It's $500 per team. And you are responsible for, obviously, getting a North Carolina hunting license and having your own property to hunt in North Carolina. And luckily for us in that part of part of the state, there are some really, really good public, public hunting areas that, um, I don't think a whole lot of people really put a lot of effort into. So you maybe could scratch one around and, you know, you can always go knocking on doors. Yep. And that, and that, and it's that easy. Yeah. You get your team entered, you can go hunt public. You can, you can just go be a part of it. It's a great cause. And for, for everybody that signed up and that's going to be there, give us a rundown of like, who's going to be there visit with hang out like i said kevin and i are going to be there because they ran out of everybody else so they invited us <laughs> well you so, know the recent winners of the waypoint hunt tv king of the woods <laughs> y'all gonna have to get up here on stage and give a speech about that when y'all get there it's, it's not that big a deal <laughs> <laughs> no um so like i said 90 couple teams uh all within the state there's some actually some out-of-staters there's some guys from florida coming some guys from tennessee um you know I forget we had one guy i think a group last year came down from ohio to hunt in it um but what else coming back philip culpepper uh roger Ro roger culpepper philip's daddy oh roger. yeah i love roger michael, yeah roger pitt michael pitts yeah, is gonna pitt. be there uh, nick Munt's coming back of course and uh he's something with josh moore a good buddy of mine a camera guy and he's been on bone collector some good kid he's a he's from out in the eastern part of the state too and uh nate hosey uh, Randy Birdsong, Headhunters TV. Nate's going to be uh, one of the guys performing. Um, we still we still got a few artists, songwriters that are in limbo right now, whether they can make it. They're trying to work it out on their schedules, so I can't really say who they are or if they'll show up because I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to overstep my bounds. Mm -hmm. But um, we've got uh, two or three other guys that are going to be coming uh, to play. I think Styles Mari is is a songwriter. He's been touring with. Craig Campbell, some he's coming with Nate, and uh, Hal Schaefer will be there for drop zone. Hal. Yep, Tom Rainey from Brown and Trail Cameras is going to be Hal's teammate. Um, golly, I'm trying to think who else is uh, uh, coming from the the. Uh, we got our sponsor teams. Leopold's our title sponsor this year, so they've got a team. Um, 
I think uh, your Retay boys are going to be there, some hanging out, Retay shotgun guys. Uh, who else? Um, Sam Jones Barbecue is going to be giving away barbecue to all the registered hunters, the registered teams. And in that part of North Carolina, Sam Jones is is uh, is the man. So, Kevin, we're going to go just eat barbecue now. The rest is just whatever. <laughs> That's what I was going for the whole time. I don't yeah, know what I, you've been yeah, we don't even have to turkey. We're just going to eat barbecue. Well, you know, here's the funny thing. We got to also have a uh, simply natural creamery. Is an ice cream uh, creamy up that up that way? Shut it's up! Free <laughs> ice cream, dude. Free ice cream. Oh Lord, Kevin may move up there now. Hey, well, great barbecue, great turkey hunting, and free ice cream. I mean, I'm I'm almost. I live like four hours away, so. I, I might have to find me like an apartment. We can get a condo out there somewhere. Yeah, we, we do a time. Hey, we got to We got to wrap this up. I got a bunch of stuff to pack because we got to get in the truck and get gone. He's going to have like the family size plastic spoon box when he shows up. Like where's this ice cream I heard about? Yep. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, um, God, who else is coming? I had somebody else on in, in my, and I lost the, lost my train of thought. I was laughing about the ice cream, but, um, <laughs> I remember one year, two, three years ago, the Pirate Classic, I took a kid and we had a gobbler come in, the kid missed. And, and it really, it was a kind of a hard shot to make and he missed. And he had such a great attitude. He had never been turkey hunting, loved it. And so uh, he and I would go back to the event, venue and his dad's there and we're hanging out. And it was like 8.30 in the morning, right? We got him right off the roost, missed, and we didn't really have another chance. So we go by the event and we're 8.30 in the morning. We all got us a big old big old double scoop of ice cream <laughs> we're walling in our sorrows eating ice cream at 8 30 in the morning you know you had me at ice cream hey, I'm... <laughs> that, that's it I, turkey's a turkey ice cream well, that's, you know he was trying to think of the name of who who else was coming it don't matter who it is John. No. It ain't more important it don't than matter ice anymore it's it ice cream no, no we're uh we're glad you guys are coming and and um you know we're just uh we're all gonna be you know uh, together we don't have a lot of hunting industry reunions as, as you know we're always all busy doing our own things so i think having everybody there together for two or three days is going to be a lot of fun and uh, i'm just glad you guys are coming to to be a part of it and and uh we're gonna have a good time no matter what we're gonna have a good time that's that's one thing about what we do in this industry we can't guarantee much but we guarantee we're gonna have a good time if we're doing something exactly right we might not kill nothing but we i am gonna kill some of that ice cream There'll be probably some repercussions later on after that. When you walk in, when you walk in through the registration table, there's a huge tent on the right. It's gonna say Sam Jones Barbecue. You can't. You number one, if you had your eyes closed, you could still find it with your nose. Nose. <laughs> then the then, the, then the, the the ice cream guys here, and then there'll be our stage and all that. So it's a fun event. It's it's um, we have the the, the public, you know, ten dollar day pass for the public to come out and check it out. Uh, hang out all day we've got several vendors out there they're gonna be selling hats and t-shirts and and uh, there's a there's a hot dog uh, food truck that has the really good hot dogs there's a couple other folks gonna be there and then you have till 5 p.m to check your bird in if you're a registered hunter or registered team excuse me and then 5 p.m is the cutoff we announce the winners of the uh, of everything and give the prizes out by about 5 30 and then the music's going to start around six and it's we're just going to go till whenever and have a good time and uh it's you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a good day i like it can't wait man we're excited and for any, anybody wants to check it out more where, where can they go 
Uh, ncstrutmasters.com is our um, website. That's where you can register online. And then, of course, NC Strutmasters on Instagram uh, and Facebook. And, and as well as NC Pirate Classic is on, we're on Facebook and Instagram, too. And we have a website there for the youth, youth hunt. So you can kind of check out what both events are about. And we're going to be updating both websites, obviously, after after this event this coming year with, with more updated, up-to-date photos and stuff. So, All right, Kevin. we got to be kings of the turkey woods next. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean, I'm, I'm calling everybody out into the squared circle. It's time. Hey, time it's time. You, you guys, I mean, we got all these these TV shows coming in there. You guys, you guys can start a little smack talking, I bet. Well, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, <laughs> but I'm just saying, Hal, I'm coming for you first. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> How are you going down? Oh, Mr. Schaefer, I'm sure he'll have a nice reply for you. I can only imagine because, see, the last time I got to pick on him about anything was back in January mm-hmm. when that team oh, with that big G oh, on oh, the helmets. Oh. <clears throat> Just saying. Red and black, baby. Red and black. Red Kevin, black. I'm sorry. You're a Gator fan. That's not my fault. Yeah. But. Hey, it's better than that roll tide house. <laughs> I wasn't even going to say it, uh, but he did. So there you go. So smack talk has started already. It has already started. That's great, man. Uh, well, thank I'm you made, guys so much for having me, man. I appreciate you, John. We thank you for the invite, man. We can't can't wait to get up there. Good food, good friends, good hunting. That, 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 that's what it's all about, right? Yes, sir, it is. Thank you all so much, and uh, look forward to seeing you guys in about a week. All right. Can't Kevin. wait, buddy. Can't wait. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in for this fiasco for probably way longer than I want to know right now after our Zoom debacle. But thanks for being part and listening to the Backwoods Life podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll try to do this again soon, maybe next week. Who knows? We hope y'all enjoyed this one. It was a fun time catching up with John, hearing some of his stories, and we're getting fired up and ready for the Strutmaster Championship in North Carolina. going to be a great event. We're going to have a big time. We'll catch you guys up to date on how that turns out.